Welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Podcast. This is Alter Shujan, your host and a chief medical resident at the University of Connecticut. A quick disclaimer before we start, all opinions and views expressed in our podcast are entirely the responsibility of the authors and do not represent the opinions of anyone else in the Yukon Department of Medicine. The content presented is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. We're back with this week's episode of Ambulatory Series, and today we will be discussing chronic insomnia. More specifically, we will cover diagnostic approaches to insomnia and possible interventions. Sleep is such an integral part of our life, and poor quality or lack of sleep can significantly impact one's quality of life. An average person, that is not a resident of course, sleeps for about 8 hours in a day, which means about 230,000 hours in a lifetime. There is a lot to sleep that we still don't understand, so let's focus today on what we do know about sleep and how to best help our patients struggling with insomnia. Chronic primary insomnia is a clinical diagnosis and is defined as dissatisfaction with sleep quality or quantity that lasts for about three months and is associated with either difficulty initiating sleep, difficulty maintaining sleep, and or early morning awakenings with the inability to return back to sleep. This definition is based on DSM-5. As this is a primary disorder, meaning the insomnia may not be better explained by another sleep disorder such as breathing-related sleep disorders or parasomnia, a coexisting mental health condition such as delirium, generalized anxiety, or major depressive disorder, or in the setting of substance use or medications. Demographics most commonly affected by insomnia include women, particularly during pregnancy and menopause, and older adults. Some of the other risk factors for insomnia include living alone and smoking. So next time you have a patient who is complaining of insomnia, what differential diagnoses are important to consider? In workup of chronic primary insomnia, it is important to rule out secondary causes of insomnia. Diagnoses to consider are obstructive sleep apnea, chronic lung disease, uncontrolled diabetes, thyroid disease, GERD, heart disease, migraines, dementia, Parkinson's disease, restless leg syndrome, benign prosthetic hyperplasia, etc. The list doesn't stop there, but this gives you a good idea of just how many conditions may present with insomnia as a symptom. Some other important diagnoses to remember are anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder. When collecting history, make sure to ask about substance use since alcohol, illicit drugs, and nicotine-containing products may lead to difficulty falling or staying asleep, as well as impaired daytime functioning. Finally, make sure to review medications your patient is taking because many medications are associated with poor sleep quality. Some of the well-known medications that affect sleep are antidepressants, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, diuretics, glucocorticoids, opioids, and over-the-counter allergy and cold medications. After you've collected a good history on medical conditions and medications patients may be on, Next step would be to ask more questions around the actual sleeping. Sleep history can include sleep schedule, what time do they go to sleep, are they taking naps during the day, sleep environment, where does the patient sleep, is it quiet, is the room dark, other sleep habits, when do they wake up at night, do they watch TV or get out of bed, 
Sometimes getting collateral information from a family member or a partner can be helpful. They can contribute if patient snores, has apneic episodes, or walking while asleep, etc. PHQ-9 and GAD-7 assessments can be incorporated into your interview to help rule out depression and anxiety as being contributory to the lack of sleep. Objectively speaking, physical exam can also clue you to some important diagnoses. Make sure to look at the posterior oropharynx for excessive tissue that may suggest obstructive sleep apnea, thyroid to assess for goiter or nodules, lower extremity edema that may point you in the direction of heart failure, and mini mental status exam to assess for underlying cognitive decline if appropriate. Now that we have our interview and physical exam out of the way, are there any lab work you may want to order for patients struggling with insomnia? The answer is, it depends. A lot of diagnostic lab work or other studies will be directed by patient's history and physical exam. Generally, you could assess thyroid hormone levels and hemoglobin A1c if history is suggestive. If patient has signs of heart failure, you could consider obtaining a TTE. Stop bank questionnaire can be used to screen patients for having obstructive sleep apnea, and if score is equal to or exceeds 3, polysomnography would be ordered. Finally, if patient history suggests a sleep-related movement disorder, actigraphy should be ordered. After you've confirmed that patient has chronic primary insomnia, you have two avenues for intervention, non-pharmacologic and pharmacologic. Let's start with non-pharmacologic or behavioral interventions. It is essential to counsel patients on importance of regular sleep-wake time avoiding napping during the day, and only going to bed when feeling sleepy. It is also advised that patients empty their bladder prior to sleep and minimize their intake of caffeine, alcohol, and nicotine four to six hours before bedtime. Limiting disturbances in the bedroom, such as TV and other bright devices, is also important. Avoiding large meals before bed and avoiding vigorous exercise for at least one hour prior to sleep can also be helpful. Lastly, short guided meditation and deep breathing techniques can help facilitate sleep in some patients. Cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, or CBTI, is the first-line therapy for this condition and is endorsed by the American College of Physicians and American Academy of Sleep Medicine. It includes everything we discussed so far with addition of cognitive therapy around sleep, challenging beliefs around insomnia. Pharmacotherapy options include benzodiazepine receptor agonists, histamine receptor antagonists, dual orexin receptor antagonists, and melatonin receptor agonists. Benzodiazepine receptor agonists can help improve sleep onset latency and total sleep time. They are associated with dizziness, increased risk of falls, and daytime drowsiness. These medications are also controlled substance because of their potential for dependence and abuse. There is a subclass of these medications called hypnotics and are commonly referred to as the Z drugs. Zolpidem has been shown to improve sleep onset latency, while Azopiclone has been shown to improve total sleep time and wake after sleep onset, although this may come at a price of subsequent day impairment. Zeloplon has the shortest half-life of this class and may be considered for patients who are looking for medication to take upon nighttime awakening. Some of the undesired side effects for these medications include memory impairment, 
anxiety, exacerbation of depression and suicidal ideation, hallucinations, and risk of fractures. Histamine receptor antagonists such as doxepin increase total sleep time but are associated with anticholinergic side effects such as dry mouth, constipation, headache, weakness, and lethargy. Dual orexin receptor antagonists such as sevorexant increase total sleep time and decrease sleep onset latency but are associated with cognitive and behavioral changes such as amnesia, anxiety, hallucinations, sleep paralysis, and suicidal ideation in those with depression. It is also considered a controlled substance. Melatonin receptor agonists include vermelteon and over-the-counter melatonin. Both have shown to improve sleep onset latency, although data is limited. They are widely used due to low cost and accessibility. It is generally recommended to take melatonin one to two hours before bedtime. Some of the unwanted side effects include headache, dizziness, and somnolence. Finally, trazodone, a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, is often prescribed for insomnia, but it is not FDA-approved for that indication. It is often used off-label and may be considered in adults with comorbid depression. Similar to histamine receptor antagonists, it is associated with anticholinergic side effects and also orthostatic hypotension. Given the side effect profile of pharmacotherapy, it is important to involve patients in the shared decision-making. Important to note that agents that are FDA-approved for insomnia are only approved for short-term use of four to five weeks, which brings us back to the importance of the first-line therapy, CBTI. We hope you learned something new today. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.